In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, Zoe has a fascinating conversation with Don McLean from IES. Don has been in the energy space for nearly 40 years and is truly passionate about finding intelligent ways to improve energy efficiency as a way of combating climate change. Don shares why he believes aggregation and using the collective is imperative to making better decisions and being more efficient, as well as how he sees Scotland embracing smart concepts. He then tells us about his company IES and how their digital twin simulation technology helps in the design of energy-efficient buildings, as well as some other technologies they are developing to support the creation of energy-efficient groups of buildings, such as university campuses or city precincts. Dom then explains some of the barriers he sees to integrating across disciplines and really solving our energy problems in order to combat climate change. Zoe and Don finish their chat discussing the emerging trend of positive energy blocks and how IES is trialling these. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns and smart cities. It's where we live, work and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. This episode of the Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by IES. Did you know IES provides 3D performance analysis technology that helps all those involved in the design, construction and operation of buildings to reduce the carbon emissions of buildings and cities worldwide. So far, through use of its technology, IES has prevented over 3,500 megawatt power stations from having to be built. IES is about to launch new, exciting digital twin technology that will help you create a more sustainable and intelligent world. You can find out more at www.iesve.com. That's www.iesve.com. Hello, Don. How are you today? I'm fine, Joy. How are you? Uh, I am very well. I'm really excited to jump into this. So let's just go for it. And can you tell us about your background and what you are passionate about? Okay, well, um, I, what, I would say what my passion is, is trying to look at how we can use energy more effectively um, across the planet. Um, I think a, a lot of people uh, don't realise the importance of energy. You know, without energy, society would, would more or less collapse. But the problem is that the way we use energy and the fact we use fossil fuels is causing problems, as most people are aware of climate change. But I think a lot of people don't realise the problems that climate change could cause. And and I see many posters around saying things like, you know, we need to save the planet. That's not really the case because the planet's fine. The planet's been warmer and the planet's been colder. But it's humanity and, and, and lots of other species that, that are under threat with climate change. And I think the thing is that, that we need to kind of realise that. So my kind of position is that um, I understand and, and, and realise that this is a major problem and, and basically what um, I've been doing is organising technology that would allow us to um, try and reduce the problems of climate change and the technology we've developed is building simulation software because the built environment is, uh, um, is a major contributor of carbon emissions, about 40% of the global carbon emissions comes from buildings uh, and it's about trying to um, we, we develop technology software that allow people 
to create the kind of the new buzzword is a digital twin of a building. And what happens is that we they can simulate those buildings and then work out how they can make those buildings much more energy efficient. Um, so we've been doing that for the last 25 years and, and have been quite successful at our software um, helping reduce carbon emissions from lots of buildings. So that's really, that's really where I come from and what um, we do. This has all come from me being um, involved in looking at this for the last four decades or so. Um, you know, I wrote my first um, bit of software to look at solar collectors in 1978, my third year um, uh, university project. And I did some more of that in my fourth year, and I went on to do it my PhD, and then I did it in my postdoctoral work. And then, you know, I set up IES to um, start to do this commercially. Mm, so I think you've answered this already, but what sparked your interest in this kind of smart community space? You talked about digital twin, obviously, and that's a big topic in the space and a bit of a word that's thrown around a lot. So what kind of sparked your interest in taking that passion for reducing emissions and looking at climate change to moving into the smart cities or smart community space? Um, I, th- I think there's, there's two things. The, the, when um, I started looking at this, um, the, the world was really quite different. You know, this was, this was in the, the, the mid to late 70s. And what happened was at that time, there was a different concern. It wasn't climate change. It was peak oil. People were concerned that oil, um, you know, our, our reserves would start to run out from the year 2000, right? And that was kind of 20, 25 years ahead. And that was a concern. Um, and what I kind of realized is through that the, there was a lot of power strikes in the UK in the 70s. And, and it made me realize how vulnerable we were with our energy and the, the need to preserve it. And this led to the kind of my focus being around about energy efficiency. And, you know, because obviously you want to preserve the, the, your energy. If you, if you think you're going to run out, you want to preserve it for as long as possible. Now, that, you know, through, through ex- improved exploration and things like that, then that, the peak oil issue disappeared. But climate change then, um, uh, uh, appeared. And, and the, the problem was it was the same issue. It's, it's about how to make our buildings energy efficient. So from that perspective, that was the kind of the driving force for me to look at this in more detail. And when I first kind of looked at this 25 years ago, um, or sorry, a lot longer than that, about 40 years ago, it was looking at buildings, and buildings were the first kind of approach. That when you look at one building, you begin to realize that if you were to start to group them together, you could start to do things more efficiently. So in the last kind of six, seven years, it took us longer to get to this point than, than I'd have liked. But, you know, about six, seven years ago, we started to develop the technology that we're about to launch fairly soon, which is where we start to look at groups of buildings and hence the smart community, smart city, whatever you want to call it from that perspective. That's where, uh, so, so the kind of smart communities um, idea wasn't termed in that way, but the idea of being able to model groups of buildings effectively and to be able to provide people with information that can make far better decisions about how to use energy for that community was um, it really kind of embodied in what we were, um, what we were doing long ago, probably about 30 odd years ago. Um, that kind of idea was there, but, it, but it's taken us till now to get to the stage that we are about to launch um, technology that will address smart communities more directly than we do at this moment in time. Mm. What is a smart community to you? Um, well, I think from that perspective, I think people have 
different ideas of what a smart community is. And one of the things that I should say is that I find it interesting that you talk about smart communities because that's one of the things that, that a few years ago that I felt that the term city and only defining it as a smart city constrained people's thoughts. And really, you know, I was kind of saying, well, well, you know, it doesn't have to be a city. It could be two buildings or it could be a million buildings. It doesn't matter, right? And therefore, why can't you have a smart campus or a smart county or a smart country or a smart continent? We shouldn't be thinking that way. And I think that from a, I found a lot of people were being constrained by the thought of a city. So community widened out a little bit. But I do think there's a, a lot of other um, terms of mentally campuses and things like that need to be using as far as this is concerned. So, you know, from my perspective, I see that the need for smart communities is very important and that we've got to think about that kind of way. We've got to think in, in them, that more aggregated approach rather than looking at individual buildings as a way to solve the climate change problem. Mm, I think you've answered this already. But is there anything else you'd like to add to why do you think that this smart community concept is so important? I think we've got to look at this, as I kind of mentioned, in an aggregated way, right? I think the thing is that if you're going to aggregate, you know, 100, 1,000 buildings, then it means that you don't have to have oversized for each building. Now, that starts to bring efficiency into the situation because then you're only going to supply the the maximum of energy that that building needs. And therefore, you can do things much, much, much more efficiently. In that kind of way, um, as you, you aggregate things together, you can start to consider different options. So, for example, you might consider, say, a, a wind turbine. Um, uh, whereas if you put a wind turbine on a house, it's going to be fairly inefficient. But you have a large wind turbine and then connect up to maybe, say, some community uh, storage device, electrical storage device. Then what happens is, is that that system, the aggregated um, energy load from all of the buildings, the wind turbine and the electrical storage can then work much more effectively together. And in that way, you can start to make things much, much more efficient. So the idea of um, aggregating and um, having communities, groups of buildings, and they operate together, um, allow you to be much more efficient in what you do. So the whole concept of, of making people think in this way and not think of individual buildings um, will be something that's quite fundamentally important as we move forward to try to reduce the amount of energy consumption within the built environment um, in order that we can reduce carbon emissions significantly. Mm-hmm. So it's using you know, the, the collective to make better decisions and be more efficient. Correct. And, and if you think about it from this perspective, um, if you've got a group of different buildings, like let's say you have a, uh, your university campus or, or part of a city or something like that, You've got a variety, you've got a whole group of different types of buildings with different kind of requirements. And if you aggregate all that together, if you think about it over a year, you have one demand, one, one energy demand over the, the, you know, each time step over the year. And as a consequence, you're only looking at one thing. Whereas if you're looking at all of these buildings individually, they all require, um, you know, sort of their own, they have their own necessities. And, and when you aggregate that together, or, or sorry, when you de-aggregate it, the problem is that each one is a problem on its own. If you aggregate all of them together, you've got one demand profile for energy. You've got maybe, say, renewables, be it wind turbines or, or it may be um, photovoltaics, or it could be you're looking at a system like maybe, say, a combined heat and power system, thing. but you've only got kind of one of them. And what you're doing is when you bring all that together, 
it makes it, a, it almost makes it a simpler problem to look at the whole community in, in an effective way. But you get the advantage of scale, right? You can then start to look at things at scale. And when you look at things at scale, then you get efficiency as well. So the, the advantage of, of looking at a smart community in that way is that it generates um, efficiencies throughout the process and makes it, to some extent, simpler to try to look at how we supply energy to these types of um, communities. Mm. How do you think that Scotland is currently embracing the smart community concept? It's, it's interesting. Scotland, Scotland is, um, has a kind of unique position in as much as that um, we're doing some work with um, uh, people in the Orkney Islands, which is in the north of Scotland, islands off the north of Scotland. And the north of Scotland has some of the best areas for um, wind turbines. Um, the, the, the winds are tremendous and, and they can generate a lot of electricity up there. The difficulty is, is trying to get that energy back to the, the mainland. Um, so what happens is, is a lot of energy is uh, discharged rather than taken um, back to the mainland. Now, what happens is that um, uh, so, so those islands are looking at how they can make better use of the electricity rather than waste it. Um, and we are helping them look at those types of things by, by looking at things like you know, electrical storage, be it in a house or be it a communal one, looking at how they could use um, the uh, electricity to generate things like um, uh, hydrogen, so they could maybe have hydrogen cars up there, and so on and so forth. So Scotland is in, in, in that kind of area is very innovative in, in terms of what it does. Um, I think like most places in the world, um, uh, there's a lot of talk about it, um, but the real, let's say, drive and the real action um, it tried to make um, uh, to combat climate change, most governments are not doing very much about it at all. And they might, they might make a lot of noise about it, but we're not really seeing it in terms of uh, any reductions, any serious reductions in carbon emissions year on year. So, so we're still seeing the carbon emissions that, that are in the atmosphere are going up at roughly 2.5 parts per million um, per, per year. And, um, uh, you know, that's not reducing in any way. So Scotland, like a lot of other places, are really not doing too much about it. But there are pockets of places where people are trying to do something about it. But it's going to take a long time before we really see any action that will mitigate climate change. Mm. Okay. Well, tell us more about your company and about some of the projects and things that you're currently working on. Okay. Well, I think the thing to, that I kind of mentioned earlier is the fact that we have technology and we can justify in saying that, that, that we, are, um, we have the world leading technology in allowing people to simulate buildings to improve their energy performance. And lots of companies throughout the world use it. There's a lot of companies in Australia use our software like Oricon and WSP and Arup and people like that use our software to design um, energy efficient buildings. And it tends to be the larger buildings that, that people will do. So, so it wouldn't, people wouldn't tend to use our software for a house um, very easily. But the way you have a bigger building, we would tend to use it. So that's where our pedigree is. That's where our reputation is in Women International, as far as that's concerned. What we're about to do is start to bring out new technology. And, and by the time this podcast is issued, um, we will have um, launched our new technology. And this is all about um, approaching the problem from two additional angles. Um, instead of looking at an individual building, we're looking at multiple buildings. Um, so, so going on to what I was talking about earlier on about trying to um, look at aggregating buildings together, 
this is what our technology is doing. It's allowing us to look at how we aggregate things from that perspective. The other thing is, is to look at how buildings operate and how we can improve the way they operate. So, so that's another big issue where, where um, you know, buildings tend to consume an awful lot more energy than they should due to inefficiencies. Simple things like, you know, um, uh, you walk around any city at night time and you will see lights on with nobody there. Simple things like that, that you could be saving enormous amounts of energy. But not just those obvious bits, but subtle things as well. And, and with um, being able to look at the operational side of things, which um, our new technology allows us to do, means that, that we can kind of make hybrid digital twins. So what would happen is that we would have a model of um, uh, you know, a group of buildings. And then what we could do is we could take the live data from buildings and feed it into those models in order then that we can more accurately predict how the, how the building's performing. And, and from that, um, it predicts the best way to um, operate that building to make it more efficient. So the, the thing is that the new technology we bring out help us address two major issues um, to, to kind of make buildings much more energy efficient. One is um, uh, looking at things at scale, and the second is to look at the operation. And, and with both of those aspects, it means that all the kind of things I talked about, you know, maybe being able to look at district systems and, and, and looking at TV across a whole range of areas and things like that, um, you know, all of this becomes possible and to be done at a level of um, a detail that allow people to make effective decisions about what they're going to do in the future. Yeah, interesting. So a group of building scale, would you do this campus scale, like precinct scale that we we're talking about, or even regional scale? Um, exactly. So it could be done at any of these kind of levels. So you know, think about it that you know, think about any city, okay? And um, it may be that, that that what happens is that you may have say, you know, that let's look at how it may evolve. So so say for example, maybe say it's got a couple of universities in it. So the universities pick this up first and create become intelligent campuses. And what they do is they, they become a single entity as far as the utility demand is concerned. Um, then what you might do is, you, you, you know, you might do some of the, um, uh, you know, for example, we're talking to someone in Malaysia at this moment in time about taking one of the states in Malaysia and they're looking at having all of the government buildings under our software so that um, all of the government buildings could be much more efficiently um, treated and become much more effective in terms of climate change. So from that perspective, um, uh, we can start to do that and aggregate, maybe say, the, the um, uh, buildings for, for the government. But then there might be um, some communities that say, we want to be integrated together. And slowly what would happen is that all of these different groups could then be aggregated together again. So, so it's about... Being able to not just aggregate one group of buildings, but then be able to connect the different groups of buildings and aggregating them together. Ultimately, to have a situation where, where, where you could aggregate the load for the whole county or country, or as I've even said, continent from that perspective. It's, it's this idea of being able to try and bring the information together to try to use energy as efficiently as possible. And one of the best ways of doing that is aggregating it. But, but this then leads into an, another whole big advantage with the things like IoT. So for example, you know, we want to be able to be in a situation with which we can say to uh, have the, the kind of intelligence in the software to turn around and say, wait a minute, 
don't put your washing machine on just now because if you wait another 15 minutes, um, the sun's going to come out. The, you know, the solar collectors on the roofs round about you'll be working and we'll be able to, you'll be able to use that um, washing machine without consuming um, any cost. You, you can get the, the solar collector who will be able to supply the energy to your machine from that perspective. These are the kind of things that are transform, uh, transformational. And these are the kind of things that we've got, if we are going to seriously reduce climate change, right, and, and its impact, we've got to look at these much more intelligent, effective ways of managing energy, where my interest in is the built environment. There's other areas with which people do, and, and um, you know, the, I wish them success, but my concentration is in the built environment. And it's doing these kind of things to solve problems that people can't really address on their own. And that's the kind of the key part. How can we do this in such a way that, that we can help manage not just the design and the creation of the solutions, but also its operational aspect and making sure that works as effectively as possible. Hmm. Do you see this feeding into, say, peer-to-peer systems? What do you mean by that? Like if I have a solar panel and I'm going away for three months that I could, because I you know, know what I've got a smart meter or whatever, I can then sell that energy to my next door neighbor for three months or something like that. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what we're kind of doing with um, one of the elements that we have. We've got one element that allows us to look at, um, say for example, um, PV. So let's use examples. So you've got PV in your roof. So what our technology can do is work out how much you save and how much you could sell to other people under that kind of circumstance. And what we're actually doing is we're actually been doing some work on uh, looking at energy trading, be able to forecast ahead so that we can get better rates from that perspective. But, but where we're kind of going with this is, is having the ability so that, you know, and going back to when I was talking about having multiple communities, imagine that um, if we scale this up, imagine that there's, say, for example, a university campus, right? And, um, you know, you have um, you, you're connected with a, maybe say um, a, a residential group of buildings, okay? Now, for you to say I want to sell that to the university is going to be difficult, and, and the kind of the energy trading technology that we're developing that allows us to say that in, in your group we have some electricity for sale, and the university can say I'll buy it. And what happens is that all of that transaction gets taking place without you having to do anything about it. All that will happen is at the end of the month, you'll get um, a note that says, you know, you sold so many kilowatts to the university at this particular time. Now, we haven't, you know, we, we, we have got the prototype of that working at this moment in time, but this is part that, you know, th- this new suite of technology we're bringing out allows us to have that kind of capability. It, it makes it possible for us to do this. And this is what we're, as we launch this, what we're looking at is uh, you know, we, we'll start to get examples of this, we'll start pushing it along, and within a few years, this kind of technology will up and running fully to do that kind of highly sophisticated interaction. That's where we're heading, is what we're doing. Mm, excellent. So that really leads into this next question, I think, which is how do we integrate across different disciplines, government industries? Keen to hear from your perspective, in the energy space, I guess. So how can we better integrate across the different disciplines, government industries in the energy space? To be honest, I think that the governments and industry and, and things like that have been looking at this for quite a bit of time, you know, and, uh, and, and going back to the kind of the energy efficiency aspect, they've been looking at it for 
you know, 30, 40 years. My problem is that I don't see the the will. Well, sorry, the will is there, but I don't see the actions that looks like that all of these groups will get together and make this happen. And and at the moment, what I fear is the fact that we've got to see some catastrophic problems and issues, right, before governments and others will actually take serious action. And as a consequence of that, I think that what we've got to do at the moment and what we, IES, have got to do is we've got to get this kind of technology out, get it into the market, and it's almost a bottom-up approach. So so we've got to kind of get um, this stuff into the market. We've got to get people using it. We've got to get people to see how much they're saving. We've got to be able to broadcast that. We've got to get the message across to people. And then when things start to get serious, which they probably will within the next sort of 10 to 20 years, then we have proven the technology. It's up and working. And then that's when we can maybe start to see some integration. But, but at the moment, um, in this sector, I don't see that, that, that integration happening unless something serious happens with respect to, to, to climate change. Mm, let's hope it doesn't get to that. That's what I hope with, with every fibre of my body, but, but I just do not see how uh, that we're going to get action without really something serious happening, and, and, and that's the tragedy of it. Okay. Let's move on to something lighter, maybe. Let's see if it's lighter. (laughs) What are the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough? I think there's a few things with which I think are of interest. And again, I could normally go to talk about an area that that, that I'm involved with. I think one of the big things that's going to happen is as we have more kind of distributed energy systems, right? So local heating and cooling systems, right? What's going to happen is that this is going to create a problem for utilities because, because you know, they, they won't have that demand then. But they'll probably still need to maintain their equipment in case um, there's a problem with the, the local requirement. So I think utilities um, uh, as, as a group have really got to start to think about what they do and how they respond to the, what's going to likely happen over the next sort of five to ten years and, and beyond from that perspective. I think there's the other aspects of, you know, governments um, with building regulations. That a lot of governments have put together building regulations that actually cause, I would say, probably as much energy inefficiency as they do save energy. And as a consequence of that, I think I think the whole approach to government regulations has got to be adapted and changed uh, so we can better test the energy performance of buildings in order that we can give them a rating. Uh, but, but I think that's an area with which there is cause for concern until something's done about it, um, because it's not helping the problem. I think that, that we're involved in a, a project at this moment in time with a, a, a couple of cities in Europe, Trondheim in Norway and uh, Limerick in Ireland. And what we're looking at is something called positive energy blocks. Now, what this is, is um, you know, what Europe's looked at is they've tried to get cities to say, right, let's have a, a master plan and let's do something about energy. And the problem is just too vast. It's too great for them to understand. And this is where it kind of shows the need for the kind of technology um, we're launching. But what they've started to do is to look at small parts of a city and saying, can we take this small part of a city and make it have a net positive energy? So 
So it's what do we need to do about energy efficiency? What do we need to do about renewables? What do we need to do about how we operate it and so on and so forth? And, and the idea being that rather than trying to say, let's make a whole energy city, um, energy, efficiency, energy efficient, let's look at individual parts and then aggregate them together, much as I was saying earlier on, into um, uh, positive energy blocks. So that and by doing it incrementally, um, they, they can get the problem for the whole city. And I think that's a, an important approach from that perspective. But also there's the, the whole aspect of big data and AI. And, and I think the, the thing is that from our perspective, big data and AI can help us. But, but I think a lot of people are looking at this as being the solution. And it's not really because with the, the things I'm talking about, you know, the, you need that digital twin to be simulating it in real time with the buildings and making decisions a few minutes ahead and so on and so forth. And that's the kind of thing you can do with simulation in a holistic digital twin. Whereas with big data and AI type of approach, you've got to learn that and, and, and that would take you a, a fair bit of time. So the kind of approach that, that we're doing um, and what with a lot of the people we are talking to, I think we can create a kind of community of people who can support us or, or alternatively we can support them be much more effective in trying to get communities to be much more energy efficient and then to look at the aggregation of those communities and you know the, the increasing aggregation of that so that we can have large parts of countries you know more or less operating as a, as a single entity in a much more efficient operational way than they, than they currently do and through that we can help mitigate climate change uh, substantially from that kind of approach. Hmm, interesting. It's been so great to speak with you, Don. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for your time. I only have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Um, I think the, the easiest way is um, to um, contact me in my email address, which is don.mclean, uh, mclean spelled M-C-L-E-A-N, at I-E-S-V-E.com. Or else just link into the IES website at IESV.com. Excellent. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Okay. Thank you very much. Nice being to you, Zoe. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community or find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter at smartcompod. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears, so thank you in advance. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.